because what happens to us or around us doesn't matter. Mm. How we respond to it does. So. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. Welcome to another inspiring episode of Podcast with Sheila, the podcast that is spreading positivity around the world by sharing inspiring life experiences. Today's guest, Rio Timberlain, is a relationship scientist and an author. For over 20 years, Rio has worked with thousands of people, helping them reprogram their mindset and rebuild their belief systems to create healthy relationships. This transformational work is available in his book, The Joy of Lucid Lab. And in this episode, we are talking about all that and more. Hello, Rio, and welcome to Podcast with Sheila. <laughs> How are you, Sheila? I'm great. And you? Well, I'm excited to be here. I've listened to a number of your podcasts, and you always have really good guests, so I feel like I'm in good company. Great. Thank you very much for your kind words. So in summary, who is Rio Timberlain? Where does he come from? Basic stuff like that before we set the ball rolling. Well, I, I, um, I don't know if it's a, a positive or negative, depending on who you are. I was born in Hollywood, California, so, you know, you have to have an unusual name. And I, you know, spent my whole life explaining my name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, so, um, I, I, uh, the journey that I'm on now, which uh, over the last 20 years has... Um, grown out of tragedy in my own life like mm. most people you know you yeah. um you, you think you have a plan and it doesn't work everything falls apart mm. and um my mentor noble pope he says uh, uh, life asks us who we are and if we mumble life gets confused mm-hmm. and when uh, about 20 years ago when my marriage blew up and a lot of a lot of difficult things in my life I didn't know who I was and it was very confused my everything seemed to be a dead end and troubled in some way and um, at that time I was functioning as a a software engineer and um, to make the really long journey kind of short here for the sake of time. Mm -hmm. Um, As a software engineer, I was accustomed to solving very big, difficult problems down to a single line of code, uh, making a little adjustment in that code, and then the whole program worked. And uh, so I realized that the things that weren't working in my life were really because I didn't have um, uh, true beliefs about the way the world and life worked. I had some from religion, some from my own culture and neighborhood that I grew up in, and some from military, and then various lies that I was telling myself because of, you know, um, troubling things in my life or life lessons that I'd learned, life lessons that weren't really the truth. They were, you know, false ways of looking at things. Mm. And um, so I set myself on a journey to heal that subconscious belief structure that would get me in trouble. 
Mm. And um, so over 20 years now, I've worked with countless people in, um, in the space of their subconscious belief systems to become clear about who they are so that they can answer that question life asks, who are you? Yeah. So you can answer that really clearly. Mm. For, for me, I don't know, but I think that every journey of our life reshape us into the people we are supposed to be. When you say that sometimes you have a plan of your own, but then in most times you see that life takes you through a different path of your life. I've, at, at a point in my life, that was me. At a point I think in, that's everybody. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. At a point in my life, I wanted my life to go in a particular pattern and it didn't end up that way. It ended up somewhere else. But do I say I regret it? No. I think I, appreci I appreciate it more because through all the challenges I have been in, it shaped me to the person I am today. And I couldn't have learned all my life experiences any other way than the path life created for me. And, and this, this is, I think, why you have the podcast. Exactly. Because um, one of the, uh, in your profile about the podcast, it says life is a journey. It is. And you, you have that view, but a lot of people don't. Mm. And this is, this is the point of the book that I've written and the work that I do, is mm. that often we have um, a sub subconscious belief structure that is not in agreement with the way life actually works yeah. and that subconscious program just like you have an app you know uh, on your phone and it, when you push the button on that app whatever the programming is it's going to do that thing exactly. and our subconscious works the same way when we have a trigger of some kind and it could come from all you know, virtually anything that's happened in our life, our subconscious is constantly trying to get life lessons. And mm -hmm. so we have this experience, good, bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. It's just an experience we have. Our subconscious takes a life lesson from that. And if it's a truth, and uh, like this is the way the system actually works, life actually works this way, then it's solid foundation for our understanding. But if it's not a truth, if it's a falsehood of some kind, then whenever we need that, it doesn't operate correctly for us in the real world, and we get in trouble. An example of that is like um, a child who throws a tantrum and embarrasses a parent, and the parent says, oh, here, here's a candy bar you wanted, just to shut the kid up so they're not embarrassed, yeah. and they don't have to explain to anybody what's going on, they just want the child to shut up. And in that moment, subconsciously, the child could get this life lesson that if I make enough noise, I'll get what I want. And then when they're 40 years old, now you, I'm sure you don't know anybody like this mm. that's 40 years old and still <laughs> making, making a noise. lot of noise to get what they want. Mm. I think there are a few people like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
there are a few people still trying to get the attention they don't make noise but you know they make noise they don't make noise as a child will but they make noise in a different way but still it's still seen as making noise just to grab attention yeah. like attention seekers and attention grabbers kind of thing so i think yeah in in older people that is what i see as noise and and so our subconscious is working all the time to get these life lessons and the problem that most of us have in our life whatever that problem is is because of some falsehood that we have subconsciously that we don't even know about yeah. and we have you know like an eruption of emotion and that emotion drives our behavior and our behavior then causes some bigger problem in our current life but doesn't change the subconscious belief that caused that whole thing to happen and maybe we're embarrassed maybe we have to go back and apologize we have to try and fix it and so there's all this drama all this trouble all this friction in our lives mm -hmm. and because that falsehood is there then we come back around to it again and again and that's when like that that principle of life asks us who we are and if we mumble, if we can't answer clearly in the, the truths, the axioms about the way life works, then life gets confused. And so we go through that cycle again and again and again. And then at some point, maybe something shifts somehow and cleans up that false belief. And we then um, have this, this like revelatory moment in our life and we say i get it now yeah. i don't have to throw a fit all i have to do is communicate really well wow it's so easy to just communicate and from that point on now we're operating on a truth instead of that falsehood do you think so that that's what i sorry go ahead i'm sorry do you think that everybody who gets to go through a challenging phase in their life ends up learning a lesson out of whatever they've been through? Is everybody able or supposed to learn a lesson from whatever they go through and move on? Or some people just go through it, never learn any lesson, and then pass out of life? Um, yes, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, we're, all, we're all built uh, like in, in the same basic model as a human. Mm that when we're born our our understanding of the world that we're born into is just blank like like there's no computer programs to run mm. on this phone right it just mm. has a basic function and we're, there's no applications no little fun things to do mm. but then as we go on in life we learn how the world works we learn what we have to do to get what we want and in the process of time we build a subconscious programming that gets us through most everything that we do all the all the time all day long if there's falsehoods in there which 99 percent of the time we're going to have some kind of false beliefs in that programming because there isn't a a true methodology for us to get there. It just our subconscious is like the like the little boy, mm. right? He he gets this reward for throwing a tantrum, tantrum, and in that moment, the subconscious takes that life lesson. Mm. Well, that's happening all the time for all of us throughout our whole life. Yeah. And what I do is in a personal 
session with somebody. Maybe they they have a tendency to sabotage their life, whether mm-hmm. it's a relationship or their career or, um, you know, like any kind of circumstance where mm-hmm. there's a pattern and they go through again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with them to dig into their subconscious, find that false belief, and wash it away with a truth about how life actually works. Mm. And um, the book that I've written is a resource of all of the truths that I can put into one book (laughs) about how humans relate. Like if, if we think of a relationship, usually people picture uh, boyfriend girlfriend mm. kind of relationship but we have a relationship success we have a relationship with the idea of um, failure mm. some of us some of us are not very nice to our relationship with failure like we we try to hide any failure yeah. we try to pretend like it didn't happen deny yeah. it and yeah and so there's friction in that relationship with this idea and that means that if i failed at something and you call me out on it i have to be defensive i have to prove that i wasn't wrong Hmm. which means then that i'm trying to prove that you were wrong by saying that i yeah and we go around and around and those are the things that writing a book what I want to help people to um, heal by um, growing into a more healthy understanding about how the whole world and all relationships work. Great. I don't know if that summarizes it for you or just opens the door to all kinds of questions. It, it opens the door to all kinds of questions, but I want us to try and take it one step at a time. So what is your driving force in life? I think um, <laughs> the, the because that's a really broad question. Mm. I'm very I'm very driven and and always motivated. Um, but at the root of it is the recognition that everybody is in this same circumstance, mm. and that um, if I can help somebody to resolve a falsehood. And I can give you a quick example. Would you like an example of yeah, a client I just, sure. I've been working with? Um, and a lot of people will probably relate to this. She's, mm. I think, 40, 45. And her body isn't what it once was. She's had a number of children. Mm. And she was, Thanksgiving came, and she was really in this turmoil within herself about thanksgiving Mm. and she found herself trying to make everything perfect you know family and friends are coming people that haven't seen her for Mm. a year or two Mm. uh, you know and and she was having all of this this you know turmoil inside all this this troubled emotion and when we talked about it we discovered that she was afraid that they would see her physically not as she used to be. Yeah. And um, now they're not even part of the picture yet, right? Yeah. She's judging herself exactly. as not acceptable in some way. Yeah. 
And the worst part of it was that in our in the course of our session, she discovered that she had a belief, and this came from her religion, that it's morally wrong to be concerned about how you look because that's vanity. And so she had been avoiding this whole question so that she would not offend God by being concerned about how she Jinx. looks and trying to make up for that by making Thanksgiving perfect. Yeah. And so when we got to the root of it, um, and the way we, we got to that was I shared a part of the book that talks about what love really is and that underneath all of the expressions of love is a devotion. And this is how our subconscious gets cleaned up, is her subconscious was looking for a new rule because of all of the pain that she was in about this thing. And when we, in our conversation, I shared with her that that devotion, no matter what the love looks like, how we behave in expressing it, underneath it is this devotion. And her mind caught on to this idea that that devotion doesn't change even though the expression can change mm. the devotion is the same mm. and that caused it, this what we call the reconciliation of her belief structures that um, uh, because she realized that the devotion that she had for herself didn't have to change she could still be devoted and love herself whether she looked this way or she looked this other way whether she got approval this from these people or these other people didn't matter yeah. and that she could accept the way her body is now and so the the the, the process was digging through the subconscious getting to that false belief which was first that it's morally wrong to be concerned about your physical body. Mm. Second was that she was hating herself, trying to make herself be better in this other way to mm. make up for it. And when she saw that, that the devotion to herself could be still expressed even in this new body, then it all naturally washed away. That's what drives me when we start a session and somebody's in all this turmoil and we end the session and they go away free of that mm, i like that i like that so in a way do you think that going through all the challenges you went in through life prepared you to be there for people who would be going through phases in life at a point in their life so that you'll be able to help them deal with their situation when they get there absolutely uh, and it's the same as what you just said about your own life yeah. that the person that you are today and how you offer the world something of value you like every day you work toward the opportunity to get the right person in front of your audience mm -hmm. and to give some real value to them yeah that that's where I'm at today, if I hadn't had those struggles, mm. and it has to do with the way, uh, which is another thing that my my mentor taught me. Mm. Um, he he said, he says, what happens to us or around us doesn't matter. Mm. 
how we respond to it does. One of my heroes is Nelson Mandela. Mm. Because he was in prison for, I think it was 23 years. Yes, yeah. And I can't imagine the injustices mm. that put him there. I can't yeah. even, I mean, my life has had challenges, but yeah. I can't even imagine the injustices yeah. That, yeah. that put him there. Yeah. And for 23 years, yeah. and when he came out, yeah. he wasn't angry. He wasn't depressed. He mm. wasn't mm. beaten. He mm. was energized mm. and mm. enlivened. Mm. And I remember reading an article once um, mm. where a reporter asked him, what did you do for 23 years? Mm. And his answer was prepare. For 23 years, I was preparing for that day when I would have the opportunity to, to speak to people, to be here in this moment. And that's the attitude of what happens to us or around us. It doesn't matter. It's how we respond to it. Mm, I like that. I like that. And as you were talking, all that I was getting is everybody has an opportunity at life to impact their generation at a point. And you may not be in that space yet because your preparation time is not over. So wherever you find yourself, if is you if you may think you're in a bad state but that is your preparation state to Absolutely. on the road to the path to impact others and until you've gone through that stage of preparation you are not ready to assume the role of lifting others or helping others better their lives because yours is still shaping up and is not taking the form it's supposed to take yet for you and, to affect and th this is the this is that um, principle that life asks us who we are yeah. inside of us there is a person who can rise above whatever it is and when we reach inside to find that person then we grow from that experience yeah and you know, sometimes we think about, oh, that person's life is so easy. They were mm. born into money. They mm. are really good looking or whatever, you know, yeah. luck um, put them in just the right circumstance. Their life is so easy. Yeah. But for the prince, uh, they're, they're not, I mean, they've, the, the person who is in that position of celebrity they their life is challenging too they yeah. have to be like everything that they say yeah. everything that they do is yeah. watched and put yeah. in our microscope and yeah. examined 16 yeah. different ways yeah. and you yeah. know here yeah. somebody who is the pauper that lives on the street is uh, you know feels like their life is hard because they have to um, work hard every day and they don't have any of those pleasures or privileges there's a trade-off no matter where we are in life and um, the it's always the same question who are you in this circumstance in this setting in this situation however you want to measure it good or bad the question is who are you who are yeah. you going to be in that setting wow I like that I think that this is a question we should all reflect on if we've not found our essence yet and uh, we should begin working towards who we are as a people in this generation day and age i like that in your opinion what is the singular most important ingredient in a relationship 
you know, I'm usually the one asking this question. Mm. I, and I, I've mm. asked thousands of people this question. And when we talk about a relationship, again, most of us think about our, you know, our partner, our significant other, our husband, yeah. wife. Yeah. And um, the answers that I always get are respect mm. and trust. Mm. Trust and respect. Mm. Now, this is something you will learn when you go to the website. Uh, later, we'll tell the audience the website. You go there and you get the book, The, the Joy of lucid love in there it explains the role of trust and respect that they are counterparts in creating the attractive force that pulls us together yeah. or if there's a lack of that respect it pushes us apart yeah and it's that simple every relationship it doesn't matter whether it's with spouses or with family members yeah, yeah. or friends or co-workers yeah, yeah. or somebody on the street yeah those two things respect and trust mm. are key yeah. to making the attractive force that pulls us together and strengthens our bond yeah. now here's the really big question that your audience needs to to mm -hmm. ask mm -hmm. what is respect yeah yeah and I have asked thousands of people this, mm. and I've only had, I think, three people mm. who've actually had a clear answer to mm. what respect is. Mm. And so when you say ingredient in a relationship, and respect mm. is at least 50% of it, mm. and if we don't know what respect is, how do you put that ingredient in? Yeah. Yeah. So... In the book, there's a clear explanation of what respect is, how it works, and how it works with trust. Um, and if you have those ingredients, then you can build a good, strong bond, no matter what the relationship is. Mm. People tend to think that respect, being submissive, if I'm putting the word right, is respect. Oh, yeah. There's lots of confusion, just like the idea of love is really confused. Mm. Respect is really confused. Mm. So I'll give you I'll give you a quick answer mm. to what respect is. Mm. Mm. Now, if the audience has been kind of questioning within themselves, yeah. um, and just take a, a quick listen to this. Yeah. If I'm going to respect you, whatever matters to you has to matter to me. Now, it doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Maybe you're, you know, you believe in a different political philosophy. Mm -hmm. I don't have to agree with you, but I have to put weight on it. I ha it has to matter to me that it matters to you. And if I put myself there, if I say, okay, well, sh this matters to Shiva. And I want to respect Sheila. I want to put that respect in there into the relationship. Then I'm going to have to put some weight on that thing that matters to her. Yeah. Yeah. Does, it, does that make sense? It Is does. That simple. It does. It does. It does. And I've all I've also been of the view that respect is earned. You can't force somebody to respect you. No. It's based on your actions, your deeds. You just earn the respect. And Am I you wrong? earn it by, 
by respecting them. them. When I was a kid, hmm. I remember my, my dad, he was in the military and Marine Corps, hmm. and I remember him poking me in the chest saying, someday you will learn respect. Hmm. I had no idea what that was. I knew it, it was important, mm -hmm. but I could not even begin to understand what it was. Even after I had been in the Marine Corps, mm -hmm. I couldn't describe it. For most of my life, I couldn't describe to somebody what respect was, was. or is. Wow. And when I started um, working with people about their relationships, when I started studying how relationships function, I, it took a long time, maybe a couple of years, for me to come to the definition that I just gave you. Yeah. Great. Great. Let's move on. What do you think is responsible for all the ill behavior in the world today? <laughs> <laughs> all of the default subconscious programming that causes us to do things that are unhealthy in our relationships. Mm. And by default programming, I mean the random stuff that gets there, like the example of the boy that, that his parents didn't mean to teach him to be a drama queen, mm. right? Mm. But that moment, his subconscious takes this belief that this is the way the world works, and then he operates that way. So a very good example of this about how the, the trouble in the world is. If you um, hear from somebody that they love you, yeah. what does that mean? It depends on who you are. Mm. It depends on the way you grew up. Maybe mm. when you grew up, um, somebody was punishing you and said, I'm only doing this because I love you. Mm. Then love can be connected to punishment. Yeah. And then, or if you're... Re impressed your real first um, like like spousal kind of relationship mm -hmm. was very sexual mm -hmm. and you were in the middle of sex and that person said I love you and that the only time that they say they love you is when you're giving them sex then you subconsciously you associate sex with that yeah so all of these concepts of love that can confuse the simplest communication and it's hard for me not to say to people that I love them mm. but I, I have to be careful because I know that they can misinterpret it because yeah. I really genuinely and I've, I've had people observing me who, who have told me this that I love everybody yeah. so openly <laughs> and it can be harmful in the relationship because of that interpretation. Yeah. And that answers your question, which is all of this trouble in the world, even when we're trying to express the most beautiful emotion and affection of love for somebody, yeah. can be misunderstood, misinterpreted as some ulterior motive because of the circumstance of their subconscious programming. Yeah. Wow. I totally agree. For me, when you tell me you love me, it's for me love is a big is a big word for me. I don't like to throw it around. If I don't mean it, I don't say it. So if anybody says it to me, it has to it has to carry a lot of weight. Mm. Because I see it as a serious thing. So 
before I say it to somebody, I really mean it. So if somebody is saying it back to me, I expect the same thing from, 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 from them. Now, when my, when I, my husband, I, we got married initially, he talks to everybody. And when he's signing off, I love you. He's talking to his friends. I love you. He's talking to such a point. Why, why are you telling them you love them? <laughs> then he said, I tell everybody I love them. Then I said, so what is the difference between that kind of love and my love? Because love it's like you're throwing the word out there it's so cheap i i thought it was cheap then he said there are different types of love the kind of love i have for my family is obviously different from the kind of love i have for you even though it's the same word but the feelings attached to it are different but somebody wouldn't know that like i said for me i i put a lot of weight on love and i don't like to throw that word anyhow if i don't really really mean it i'll never say it so once it comes out of my mouth then you mean that it means that i really mean what i'm talking about so i get where you're coming from depending on the person's experience with the word love you have to be careful how to use it around them isn't it and that's that's why the title of the book hmm. the joy of lucid love lucid means clear so that there's no confusion yeah and when we reach this point of having a, a clear love for ourselves, mm -hmm. because you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. So if I if I don't love myself, and this isn't ego or you know like self-aggrandizing, mm -hmm. it's it's about caring for myself and accepting myself and inviting myself to grow and to become something more. If I don't have that within myself, I can't give it to somebody yeah. else. And being lucid about that love that I have for myself first gives me the ability to make it clear when I when I desire to give love to somebody else. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, that whatever the representation of the love, there's a devotion yeah. underneath it. Yeah. And this is one of the things, like you mentioned, all kinds of different loves. Mm. Um, there are seven specific different devotions, ways that we can be devoted, and it ends up being channeled into what we call love. Yeah. So your husband mm. has a kind of devotion to his family yeah. that he says, I yeah. love you. Yeah. And he has a completely different kind of devotion yeah. with you. Yeah. But using the same word, yeah. easy to get confused. Yeah. <laughs> In what ways do our subconscious stories keep us trapped? And how do um, you help people free themselves from this? Okay, let's take a really common example. Yeah. In the world that we live in today, mm. there are um, the the probability if you get married mm -hmm. half of people are going to get a divorce yeah 50% yeah. divorce yeah so when we get married mm. we put everything we mm. make a commitment to that person we put everything of our life in the same boat with them yeah and if it doesn't work however why ever doesn't matter it didn't work yeah. <laughs> I, I committed everything and yeah. it fell apart yeah so then subconsciously we learn a lesson there that makes it hard for us to trust marriage the yeah. concept of marriage yeah. so the second time around maybe um you know we're really attracted we trust the person themselves mm. but the constitute 
the the concept, the constitution of marriage, had broke uh, broke us last time. It, yeah. it fell apart, mm. and it left us hurting. So, do we want to? Can we trust that now? And so, sometimes people will, um, you know, sabotage. They they're in this relationship. It's going along really good. Yeah. And I actually I actually had a girlfriend in my story, mm-hmm. who. Um, she she said it can't be this good. Mm. What it's gonna? I keep I keep waiting for the shoe to drop. It yeah. can't be this good. And after about three years, she started sabotaging. She started creating problems, problems. because subconsciously she believed it was going to break, yeah. and it, she needed it to break on her terms rather than mm. just randomly in its own way. Yeah. So, uh, I think that answers the question it about does. how how um, the the subconscious, subconscious programming. Story. Yeah, uses. it does. Yeah. Do you think the world at some point in life can experience peace? <laughs> Just as we all experienced COVID, it was a common thing everybody, every human race experienced. So it would be great for us all as a human race to enjoy what peace is like collectively. But do you think that is possible? I'm I'm an optimist, so Mm. I believe in the possibility. Um, And throughout my life, actually, I've done many, many things that were considered impossible. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm... I personally believe that all of humanity could actually experience peace, like like on the virus that yes. you mentioned, yeah. which spread around the world. Yeah. Now, the reason that whether we experience the virus itself, but what you're referring to is the social impact yeah. that because it became a uniting threat. It united people across borders. It united people in circumstance. It gave us a way that we can understand this other person that lives in a completely different culture halfway around the world. And on those kinds of things Mm -hmm. unite us together and, and they set aside the default yeah. programming that says that you're a different color, you're mm. a different race, or mm. you come from a different country, you're mm. a different political or religious faction, yeah. so I can't like you, or I can't love yeah. you, I can't yeah. care about you, yeah. that we put those things aside when we all have a common threat. Yeah. So, um, if you were to take this little concept and you know like you go to hollywood and you look at the movies Mm -hmm. and you say okay um science fiction movie aliens come and they attack the world yeah then every human is suddenly are we're all aligned we're all allies we're all friends we're all there to support each other it doesn't matter what our differences are yeah now can we that's just a movie Mm. and we can have that emotion because of this this fantasy setting, this circumstance, why can't we intentionally do that? Why can't we go mm. within ourselves and say, no matter who that person is, if they were born in the jungle and they never read a book, 
how are they different from me except yeah. for circumstance yeah i can i can see who they are that that they need to they have the drive to feed themselves to f care for their family to to have children to yeah. all of these things that are innate a part of who we are mm. if i focus on that instead of how we're different yeah if i focus on how yeah. we're the same yeah and put aside all of the things that are different then i can be in peace with anybody yeah. oh my god it would be good for us to get there if we can and i think the recent episode um, we recorded um, the recent one we are talked about something similar to what we are discussing now as in how systems have unconsciously restructured all of us and putting us in groups of you are better than that you're better than that systems created that for all of us now we want to work against the system and it doesn't seem to work that is what we had discussed but talking to you now from what you're saying is the way we view things and if we begin to view things in a much better way then we can get to the point of peace where all of us can come together as a united body well yeah i agree and that's that's what i'm saying mm. and the challenge to that is our subconscious programming yeah. Um, yeah and to give to give an example of that and this is this it might be you know like a sensitive subject for yeah. some people yeah. about racism yeah i you know you might not notice i'm white yeah yeah <laughs> and Part of when I grew up, I was in grade school. I lived in the ghetto mm. of uh, in LA County, part of the ghetto. Yeah. And I, in our whole neighborhood, we were the only family that wasn't black. Mm. And this was years ago when racism was really a big troubling sure. thing in the yeah. United States. You're in London, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you can go back in history yeah. and you know think yeah. about that yeah. in the united states there was all of this friction about yeah. the difference between white and black yeah. people yeah. and i found myself in this setting where the kids were hateful toward me not because of what i did but because i was white mm. and they got that hate from their parents who were not treated well by white people in the real you know the adult world yeah and so that was passed on to my generation yeah fortunately um and i don't know what my my father's influence was on this but i did i didn't feel any any animosity toward them because i understood that they were just reflecting what they hear around the dinner table yeah. every day yeah. that these white people are are yeah. bad or yeah. evil or yeah. ugly or mean or yeah. whatever yeah. and then they were taking that out on me yeah. so when i grew up in that environment and and we we my my growing up we moved around a lot mm. so i had exposure to lots of different cultures and i'd find myself in a religious culture that was like that very um inclusive of the mm. the specific religion and exclusive and hating all the other religions yeah and all in the name of Christ yeah yeah <laughs> and and so this is the programming that we get 
yeah. and we give that to our children and then they give it to their children and they give it to their children so at some point when we mature and we we begin to clean up that subconscious programming that gets passed on generation to generation mm. in our culture then we can move toward peace in the world i'll be happy for us to get to that point in all seriousness, I will be happy for that. And um, I think that it starts with us, each and every one of us, oh. making the effort yeah. towards peace. I think um, um, it beholds on all of us to make an effort towards that. Wow. If you had a short phrase or a mantra to live with us today, what would that be? Well, the cause for my the, the community that I'm creating around mm. the book. Yeah. The cause is to end self-suffering. Mm. So when you think about it, whatever that thing is that isn't peaceful outside of you, it's a reflection of something that isn't at peace inside. Exactly. And most of the time that is in some way that we're suffering often in silence maybe like this woman that had trouble with thanksgiving yeah. she she didn't yeah. uh, she didn't accept the changes in her body and that caused her to become hateful mm -hmm. of her own body and so those things that that suffering that's inside that self-suffering mm -hmm. if we can heal that if we can ask ourselves why do i feel this trouble yeah and begin to heal that then mm. all of the stuff outside take care of itself exactly i agree with you totally and 100 percent what will your final message be to our listeners as we draw this getting to a close there's hope okay. no matter how bad it gets no matter what the trouble is there is hope there's a way to heal there's a way to rise above it there's a way to to move forward in your life there is hope sometimes it doesn't seem that way yeah. and often you need to reach out to somebody and the hardest thing for most of us to do is to reach out in vulnerability and say I'm suffering I'm I, I need some help here that's very difficult for most of us yeah yeah I wish I could say a lot about what you just said, but for the sake of time, I'll just end it there. We would like to say a massive thank you, Will, for coming on podcast with Sheila today. Can I can I pass on the website address please, so that your audience do. can? Okay, yeah. it's Rio R I O Works W O R K S dot org. Rio Works dot org. And um, the objective there is to build a community of people who are reading the book, learning these truths, and then working with each other, helping each other support group to put their lives in alignment with those truths and end that suffering. Great. Great. Thank you very much, Rio. If you've been listening in, this is Season 2, Episode 74 of our podcast series where we bring seasoned guests with inspiring real-life experiences to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. Whilst at it, please drop us a rating. We have a video presentation of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just search for Podcast with Sheila on YouTube and you'll find us. Our prayer for you this week 
is that you will always remember that you are a limited edition, one of a kind, a very special race to the human race. Until we meet again, have a brilliant week.